This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show that is interrupting your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this breaking news story from 50 years ago. (laughs) Bruh, if I can hear the squeaking of this chair while I'm editing this episode, I'm going to flip the fuck out. What? Hold on. Is it? Oh, now it's not doing it. Cool. Oh. (laughs) We need some WD. It was squeaking and I wasn't even moving. I'm just going to have to sit like this. Dude, that chair is probably 40 years old. It's about as old as the topic of this episode. That's You know what? It's a relic. We are here. Maddie's trying to get a scone out of her Starbies bag. Yeah, it's... I don't want to make the noise and Emily's going to have to hear it. Yeah, I'm going to cuss later when I'm... Yeah, that's going <laughs> to... <laughs> Just fucking grab it, dude. I'm leaving it in. Hell yeah. We 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 acknowledged it. It's got to be in. Okay. We're human beings, all right. Um... Please check out our socials, which means Instagram at what if I told you pod. Give us an email at what if I told you podcast at gmail.com and check out our fucking merch. Mm-hmm. The link is in our Instagram bio and at the top of the episode description. So that's right. Speaking know. of merch, um, I literally had this thought in real time. We should have a golden skull. On some of our merch, because this guy's been with us from the beginning, and maybe even a llama. Um, we could probably send uh, an email to Printful and suggest these items to be available. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for skulls and llamas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it is Sunday morning. Well, it's eleven forty-five. Technically, it's still a.m. So morning. Yeah. Um, it's almost lunchtime. We're drinking Starbucks, and I got a Sammy, and Maddie's eating some scones. Mm-hmm. Pretty good shit. I, uh, my toxic trait is not eating a real meal for a day and a half and then taking some espresso to the dome, so I had to get the Sammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about, my day yesterday was just, I was just everywhere. You know, um, we went to the balloon festival in Kansas city. Now the hot air balloons look cool. They do. But because of the wind, they did not release the balloons. So it was kind of a letdown. Did everyone boo? No. Cause they, I think made the announcement online like before in anticipation of the wind yesterday. Um, but we didn't know that until we were physically at Liberty Memorial. I would have thrown food at them. Yeah, Dakota was heavily disappointed, as was Dallas. It was really nice, though, like, the weather. Yeah, it was really nice yesterday. So, it wasn't, like, if it would have been hot, I would have been mad. Yeah. And, like, there were a bunch of food trucks, and I was excited to have, like, food truck food. The line... To the food trucks. all There was 20 food trucks. I couldn't even physically find the end of the line. Oof. That sounds like the fucking fair. It was like there was one line and then it would just branch to each truck. And I was like, you're fucking kidding, right? <laughs> Where do I stand? I don't know what to do. <laughs> so we didn't eat at the food trucks. Because I was like, I... This is silly. There's no no point. It's not worth it. No. And it was, at this point, it was like 9.30. Yeah, no. So we just went to IHOP Ooh, and had breakfast. Good. It was real good. And Sylvia was having the time of her life. Literally. Aww. She had two crowns. And she was, you know, her and Dakota were crayon sword fighting a little bit. She did smash one of them on the table. Well, you know, you got to mm-hmm. get a little wild in IHOP. She was, she was getting wild. She was good. She was taking it there. And everybody at the other booths were like, I could see a couple of them like look at her and then chuckle a little. (laughs) So it was like dinner and a show. I always like seeing others 
other people's children acting crazy at restaurants and but not mine mm-hmm. no i mean i don't mind crazy in like a fun way but yeah she was she was fun crazy she wasn't like being bad or anything yeah. she did stab like you know the little creamer things for coffee she stabbed one and it spilled it <laughs> i bet it fucking did <laughs> everyone was sticky get it sylvia i know she was partying to, i mean you know i mean that's what you're supposed to do at ihop yeah it's it a is. party it it is a party it's a party with pancakes the pancakes were tip top as well mm. so Mm-mm-mm. and i we got home at like fucking one no thank you i know and then i let so yesterday, during the day, while I was gone, Dakota, like, hosed off the front of the house and the back of the house. I will say the front of your house and the the lawn and the fucking steps look superb. Yeah, he mowed the yard. He cleaned out the gutters. Damn. Hosed off the outside of the house. And it, it looks immaculate. However, in the backyard, it there are... Mud patches. Well, it happens. So we get home. I let the dogs out. I go upstairs to go to the bathroom. I come back to let the dogs in. And April has, I mean, inches of mud caked on each one of her feet. (laughs) And I was like, I started to get, I got a towel and started to like wipe the mud off. Wasn't cutting it? Nah. I had to put her in the, fully in the bathtub. Yeah. You just got to do that sometimes. It's like kids after spaghetti. Yeah. I was like, this is what I want to be doing at 1 a.m. Yeah. Totally. Well. And she was not into it. She really played up the cataracts like she couldn't find the top. (laughs) That's what I want to do the next time I don't want to do something. Just pretend that you're blind. I can't fucking see. (laughs) I can. I do think sometimes... Because we've been babying her a lot since we found out. Yeah. And sometimes she goes about her day-to-day as if it's... (sighs) Shit. (laughs) The pressure is on. You have to sneeze now. (laughs) She's gone. (laughs) Yeah. she As if she has no problems. Yeah. She's just, like, running up and down the stairs. No problems. And then, you know, when it's time to rinse her feet off because she's you know, hop, skipped, and jumped through all the mud. She's like, she had her foot, she's hitting it on the side of the tubs. And she, like, put one foot over the edge, and she's, like, like, she's feeling around. She doesn't know where the bottom is. And I'm like, okay, okay, April. Oh, my God. We both know what's happening right now. You sly little asshole. Oh, she's so precious. I love her. She has, like, a human personality. Anyway, so, yep, that was the evening, and it was great. All right. Um, Let's just fucking get into it. Okay. So, we got some corrections that were not from Chip. We love you. We love you, Chip. Um, So, last week we covered the murder of Kaylee Anthony and the trial of Casey Anthony... We did get a comment on Instagram on, like, our Casey Anthony post that we got the name of the utility worker wrong. That it, we said Ray Kronk, but it is actually Roy Kronk. Now, this mistake is inadvertent and all, in all likelihood, probably just a typo on my part. Yeah, I mean, of course we never want to get names wrong, um, but at the end of the day... Madeline is a human being. Um, she does all of the putting together of the episodes. I do all of the editing. And we're just out here trying our fucking best. So we do appreciate corrections, though, when they come through. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't want to operate with <laughs> inconsistencies yeah. and mistakes. So um wanted to correct that. I don't know. The comment on the Instagram post was a little bit vague, so I kind of had to guess that it was the Ray Roy situation, but also we did have some issues pronouncing the prosecution's expert witness's name. Yes. Um, 
on the p- other podcasts that cover this, specifically the prosecutor's podcast, they call him R-Pod Voss. So, yeah. I think that's it. I think it's either that or, I mean, it has to be Voss or Vass. That's it. Yeah. My so. inclination, I've heard both, actually. The documentary, I think they were pronouncing it Voss. Mm-hmm. And on the prosecutor's podcast, they were pronouncing it Vass. So, I... Um, I am going to go with Voss. Yeah. Our pod Voss. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, commenter, hopefully those are what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> if not, let us know. Yeah. I feel like everything else was pretty accurate. Huh? I mean, I we so. already knew that we were not pronouncing our pod's name correctly. Yeah. And we kind of made fun of it. Yeah. Not in like a personal way. But just like a, sometimes we're dumb and have the mind of a child. Yeah, and sometimes you just want to make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happens. Uh, so, what did Chip... Chip sent us a an audio message. And so yeah. now we can't really refer back to it because it disappeared out of our group chat. Yeah, I don't know. We could always put it on next week's episode. Yeah. Chip has been super busy with work, so he hasn't really been able to contribute to his Chip's basement, but please rest assured that Chip will return to the basement as soon as he can. Yeah, he's out here um, pursuing his entrepreneurial dreams. Yeah, he's out there putting in the work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Today um, is a good day. Because we're talking about fucking alien shit. Mm -hmm. So we're going to travel up north to Canada to talk about the Falcon Lake incident. Indeed. Um, I can start with this while you munch on your scones. Alrighty, so what is the Falcon Lake incident? So this was an alleged UFO sighting on May 20th in 1967 at Falcon Lake, obviously, um, within White Shell Provincial Park in the Canadian province of Manitoba. The incident was investigated by various Canadian authorities, including the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Royal Canadian Air Force, and the Department of Health. The Department of National Defense and American authorities included the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization and the U.S. Air Force as a part of the committee. So that's fucking crazy. That's a lot of entities investigating this one event. Yeah, it is. Um, It's actually dubbed to be Canada's best documented UFO case by CBC News and, quote, the world's most documented UFO sighting by Atlas Obscura. So, yeah, they're out here being being newsworthy those little little aliens so stefan mccallick who is also referred to as steven resided with his family in river heights winnipeg and worked as an industrial mechanic he also is an amateur geologist that's random it's super random (laughs) and would regularly travel to falcon lake as a prospector searching for quartz and silver that's that's precious i want to do that Sure. I mean, I don't necessarily want to, but I think it's really precious when other people do. (laughs) No, we're getting like full prospector garb and we can get those little shaky trays and we'll just find a creek around here and do it. Is that what they do? Do do they still use like the the shaker? Yeah. Okay, cool. They like scoop and put it in the like screens and shake them around. All right. What do they wear? Um, I'm feeling like, um, you know, maybe like those water pants. Waiters? Yes. Rocket money. Oh, that's Truebill. They changed to rocket money. Oh, I don't want to look at Truebill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, waiters, I would assume, because they're like, you know, tracing out. Yeah. Okay. I think we would look cute in those. I would wear the outfit. Yeah. You know what? I would probably go prospecting. We'll do it. If it's in Canada. I mean, I don't necessarily want to head out here to the crick. (laughs) <laughs> but in Canada, you know. All right, let's do it. <laughs> um, 
So Steve had previously staked a claim in the Falcon Lake area to prospect for precious metals and left home on a long weekend in May of 1967. He was aware that quartz veins within the Precambrian portions of the Canadian Shield and White Shell Provincial Park yielded precious metals such as gold and nickel. I am allergic to nickel. <sighs> Fuck. We're going to have to be real careful when we're prospecting. <laughs> Um, so while he was inspecting a quartz vein embedded within the Canadian Shield strata, he claimed that he was suddenly startled by the sounds of a flock of geese who were agitated by an object. Now, geese are easily startled, and they are vicious. They really are. I'm a little scared of geese, I'll be honest with you. I'm also a little scared, and they are all over the place at work. Oh, yeah. There's a family of geese that live next to the building. There is a fucking herd of geese that live there. And they will stand there at the entrance, and they will honk at you the whole time. Yeah, they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing yeah. here? Hey, this is my home. You're trespassing, bitch. Yeah, this is my parking lot. Yeah. You slut. Yep. Um, so according to Steve, he looked up to see two cigar-shaped objects hovering around 45 meters, which is 150 feet for those of us Americans listening, away from him and emitting a reddish glow. Hmm. He described the objects as cigarette-shaped things with humps in the middle. Okay. Okay. So he initially assumed that the objects were American experimental aircrafts. A fair assumption. Sure. And one of the objects landed on a nearby rocky platform and took on a disc shape, while the other craft flew off after hovering in the air for several minutes. So Steve, while observing the landed craft, um, took time to sketch the object, which landed in front of him for half an hour, which is a long fucking time. That's so long. And before deciding to approach the craft, he made sure to get this sketch done. He, which was fucking great. We do have the sketch and we will be posting it at some point this week. Absolutely. So he attempted to find any identifying insignia, um, didn't find any, but he did observe that the craft noticeably lacked any seams and noted that the metallic surface appeared smooth, kind of resembling colored glass. So that's very specific. It is very specific. This craft was 10 and a half meters in length, which is 34 foot, and four and a half meters in height, which is 15 feet high. The landed craft also changed in color between gray and red and resembled hot stainless steel with like a golden glow, um, like around the vehicle. So that's wild. And that is wild. He recalled the scent of sulfur and the warm air emitted by the craft and hearing the sounds of a whirring motor as well as a hissing sound from the air being expelled from it. Wild. He's like making mental notes like of every everything minute detail. Absolutely. We need more people out here like that. Yeah. Sketching. I mean. I'm carrying a sketchbook from now on. You, yeah. Just everyone carry around a sketchbook and a pencil, and if anything weird happens, just start drawing it. Yeah. Uh, fuck your smartphone. Don't yeah. take a picture of it. Yeah, don't don't take a photo, which will show the exact scene. <laughs> yeah. Draw it. <laughs> so, according to Steve, he observed that the craft had an open door on its side with bright lights, and within the craft, he could hear the voices of individuals, which were muffled by the sounds being produced. And he also claimed that the speakers sounded human with two discernible voices, one higher than the other. He says he initially attempted to communicate with the, quote, Yankee boys in English and offered mechanical support, assuming the pilot pilots were experiencing mechanical difficulties. And he was a mechanic. Right. How nice of him. How fortuitous. Yes. His exclamation silenced the talking that he had heard, and when he didn't hear a response, he says that he attempted to communicate with the individuals in Polish, Russian, and finally German. He was a Polish immigrant. I feel like we should note that. That would make sense. <laughs> Which is why he knows Polish, Russian, and German. Yeah. 
Um, so he claims that he continued to interact with the craft despite the lack of response, and he actually approached it. Um, he had his welding goggles on as protection. That's great foresight. Uh, within the craft, he claimed to have seen light beams and panels flashing various colors, and the craft appeared empty. And as he walked away, three panels slid in to seal the craft, and when he touched it, he found it so hot that the fingertips of his gloves melted. That's serious. That's, yeah, welding gloves? He's wearing welding gear. Fucking wild. Yeah. He said that the craft then turned counterclockwise, revealing a panel with a grid of holes that emitted a blast of heated gas that hit him in the chest, blew him backward, and set fire to his clothing. So he immediately tore off his burning clothes as the craft flew away, and uh, there you have it. Yeah. Fucking wild, dude. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, It's... Really wild. So at this point, Steve was disoriented. Obviously, he's just been smashed in the chest with hot gas and, you know, was on fire. So he's disoriented. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Poor Steve. God, I'm so sorry, Steve. Um, So he's disoriented. He's nauseous. And he even started to vomit. But then he just returns to his hotel room at the Falcon Motor Hotel. He just goes back there and he's like, you know, I'm feeling a little sick. Yeah, I'd probably feel sick too. Probably. Um, A nearby highway patrol officer from the RCMP, Constable G.A. Soloki. Soloki. Yeah, we're going to go with that. I think it is. Um, He spotted Steve and assumed that he was drunk, but even though he didn't smell any alcohol on him. So the constable's report indicated that he offered to help Steve return and seek treatment at Falcon Beach, but this offer was declined. According to Steve, the constable was dismissive of the situation and refused to offer him aid. So we've got these two conflicting accounts of what's happening. Yeah. Obviously, the officer is going to say he offered him help. Of course. So, I mean. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Steve returned safely, talking to the owner of the hotel about seeing a doctor, but was told that the local doctor was absent. Sure. I guess this is 1967. Maybe doctors are just like, he's not in today. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Good luck with that. Try back tomorrow. Hope you can stop that bleeding. (laughs) Um, So the doctor's not in, and Steve just went back to his hotel room to lay down and rest and called his wife, told her what happened, and that he would return to Winnipeg on the Greyhound bus, I guess, as planned. Uh, Seems like it. After his nap. I don't know. When he got home, he then obviously went to the hotel to get medical attention at the Misericordia Health Center, and he was actually admitted to the ER. Damn. So, yeah. He's in the ER. Um, now, I guess we'll talk about the investigation before we go over Steve's actual injuries, because he does have documented injuries. Um, obviously the media gets a hold of the story of Steve's situation and the RCMP finds him and brings him in for questioning and representatives of the Royal Canadian Air Force and other government agencies were interested in hearing his account, even though initially they were dismissive of the story as a hoax. Of course. Uh, obviously, because that's what always happens. The search actually intensified and helicopters combed the area and various agencies attempted to aid the investigation. Um, like we 
said at the beginning, the Department of Health, Department of National Defense, all joined the RCMP and the Royal Canadian Air Force in searching the area for these crafts, I assume. That doesn't seem like they're taking it very hoaxy to me. No, I feel like you're bringing in multiple government agencies, helicopters, searching the area. Hoax is like local police. Yeah. They walk around, they're like, yeah, nothing here. Yeah. Move along. We got a drunkie. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So there's a lot of people involved in this investigation, including the American teams, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, and the U.S. Air Force um, joined, and Steve was actually unable to assist in the search because he was so ill, he was unable to even eat solid food. Damn. Later, after he recovered, he was able to assist as his health slowly returned. Which, it's weird that it's affecting his health for this long. Something happened to this bro. Absolutely. He was not just drunk at the lake. Yeah, he didn't just burn himself at the lake because he (laughs) was liquored up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Dude can't (laughs) chew and swallow food. (laughs) That is serious injury. (laughs) Absolutely it is. So initially, the conclusion was that Steve had been hallucinating as a result of alcohol consumption. The investigation by the U.S. Air Force ended in an inconclusive result, and the RCMP and Canadian Armed Forces reports on the incident similarly yielded inconclusive results. Of course. Obviously. The RCMP report emphasized their inability to explain Steve's physical effects, burns, and the burned circle of vegetation at the site. So at the site, there's a perfect circle burned into the grass you know what if i was a fucking mounted policeman i'd be like it's an alien yeah in the report case closed alien the end period yeah no other words needed aliens so a substantial number of publications exist on the public record so they're not keeping this shit quiet no If this happened in the United States, (laughs) these documents would be sealed in the National Archives. Forever. In the 10% of National Archives that is not available to the public. Look at us holding on to that info. That's right. Steel trap. This is the 10%, bro. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, So... In the public records on this case is obviously the reports from the RCMP and the RCAF. What? There's a... Now we got the National Archives on here. So those reports are in the National Archives. Um, The Air Force file on the incident. And the Mayo Clinic response by physicians who were attending to Steve. So uh, Steve was at the Mayo Clinic. Damn. That's legit. Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa. They People go to the Mayo Clinic when regular hospitals are like, yo, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all the publications or many of the publications are available on public record. So. Get in there. Get in there. Analysis of the site yields unusual results, much like... Steve's injuries. As we said, there is a 15-foot circle of burned grass and other forest area, whatever. It's just a circle burned in there. And Steve claimed the landing occurred at that site and there was presence of highly radioactive elements in soil samples And the clothing that Steve had removed because it was on fire. God damn, dude. There was metal found that was superheated and found to have been melted into cracks of rock and exhibited high levels of radioactivity. The anonymous readings were subsequently uncovered to be due to a radium vein which was near the site. 
this is wild. Yeah, there's there's a some weird shit here that is absolutely not the result of hallucinations from alcohol consumption. No. Not alone, at least. Uh, no. No. Because, you know, you could get drunk and hallucinate, sure. But where are you going to get radioactive shit? Yeah. You know? No. Ain't no way. No. You're not going to do it. Um, so that's really the the results of the investigation, a.k.a. no results. Yeah, of course. Well, because I know it's <laughs> aliens, so. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, the crafts flew away. Yeah. Inconclusive. Inconclusive. We're done here. That's it. So, here's what happened to Steve. Um, He, of course, had burns on his chest and stomach, which matched with his claims of being hit by the exhaust panel. Um, It was like a a grid-like pattern of raised sores and burns that appeared on him. Yeah, we'll have a, there's a picture of Steve, like, laying in his hospital bed with his shirt off, and you can see the yeah. actual spots. Yeah, and it's not, like, gruesome or anything, but no, you can just tell. Yeah, it's black and white, and it's not, it's not graphic. Yeah. Um, he continued to suffer from prolonged bouts of diarrhea, headaches, blackouts, and continued weight loss. And that's when he eventually um, sought help from the, the Mayo Clinic. And their report determined that Steve was of sound mind. His physical condition following the event was allegedly consistent with radiation poisoning. And the site was heavily radioactive. Right. But tests administered at Pinawa, Manitoba following the incident came up negative. Hmm. Are they in someone's pockets? Yeah. Manitoba? Come on now. Steve allegedly lost 13 pounds following the incident, with his lymphocyte count drastically falling to near lethal levels. He continued to suffer from intermittent reappearances of his burns, and its effects would never fully subside up until the time that he died in 1999. That's a long time. That fucking over 30 years of that shit? That's so long. Take me out. Yo. For real. So he came forward with his story to the Winnipeg Tribune, which subsequently published his account under the title, I Was Burned by a UFO. How original. He published his accounts in a manuscript titled, My Encounter with the UFO. Um, And it was published in 1967 by Osnova Publications in Polish and retold by Paul Penishin, who had translated the account into English. Here is a little blurb on his son's account. His son is Stan. He says that, or he said that he could vividly remember when his dad came home sick and injured after this incident at Falcon Lake. And um, he said, quote, I recalled seeing him in bed. He didn't look good at all. He looked pale and haggard. He was only nine years old at the time. And he was allowed to see his dad for a couple of minutes on the day after what soon became known as the Falcon Lake incident. And uh, then there was the smell. That is so unsettling to say out loud. so unsettling. (laughs) Uh, Stan said, when I walked into the bedroom, there was a huge stink in the room, like a real horrible aroma of sulfur and burnt motor. It was all around and it was coming out of his pores. It was bad. Ooh. Yuck. Um, he also co-authored the book, When They Appeared, with Winnipeg UFO researcher Chris Rutkowski. Whoa. The, the smell... Smells are so weird because I feel like even when you're young and you encounter a very specific smell, it stays with you. It almost keeps the memory of the whole entire event intact. I can't do smells coming from human skin. Uh, That's just not okay with me. Yeah. Ooh, it's so bad. I don't... Ugh. No, we're done. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) We're done here. Okay, so obviously, as with 
any story involving aliens, there are skeptics. And the skeptics of the Falcon Lake UFO incident claim that Steve's burns were a result of an accident stemming from alcohol use, duh. And that his claim about the spacecrafts and the aliens was in order to hide the alcohol use. In reporting the incident, Steve would potentially dissuade any competitors from prospecting in his site. Okay. So some people are claiming that he made, he set up this whole incident in order to keep other prospectors from finding his little quartz veins and blah, blah, blah. That explains the extensive injuries. and Sure. And yeah. the radioactivity. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> See, that is a much more realistic um, reason for him to have made this up. Just getting drunk yeah, is good. not a good reason, but him wanting to prevent other people from getting in on his spot. It makes a little more sense. It makes more sense. It doesn't account for all of the evidence, no. but on its face, it makes more sense. Right. Um, so... The subsequent media and public frenzy caused actually the reverse effect with numerous people just rushing to the site. Of course. Obviously. I would. It's like whenever you a car accident happens. You have to look. You have... People are all just trying to look. They slow down and they want to see it. Yeah. It's just how we are as yeah. humans. It's, you know... It's in our innate animalistic nature. It, to see devastation. Yeah, we want to see it from some morbid aspect of our psyche. Yeah. And you know what? If you just watch how zombies act, when there's a loud noise, they run to it. Yeah. Just like a fucking scary movie, bro. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm home alone in the dark upstairs and I heard some fucking creepy shit downstairs. I'm going to go down there without turning on a single fucking light. Absolutely. Sans any sort of device to de to defend myself. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Literally don't care. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's run to the thing. Let's run to the radioactive site <laughs> where these fucking aliens landed. Yeah. Where Steve got weird ass burns on his skin that never went away. And smell. And smell like sulfur. Moving on. Again. Alrighty. So, piece, the pieces of melted radioactive metal were purported by skeptics of the case to have been planted following the incident to solidify the hoax. Okay. Somebody is just like, you know what, I really need people to believe this, so I've got this radioactive metal here. I'm just going to go drop it at the site. What a fucking loser. How much sense does that make? It's so silly. So silly. Um, so author John B. Alexander wrote in the Journal for Scientific Exploration that some of Steve's long-lasting effects, including the skin lesions, which he claimed to be due to exposure of the exhaust blast, were the result of an allergic reaction. John B. Alexander highlighted the inconsistencies in, his, in Steve's story with regards to the event. I'm not... I, I don't really know what the inconsistencies are. No. Um, in all the articles I read, I didn't see any. But I also wasn't looking specifically for the skeptics' stories. So because those aren't fun. Yeah, that's not fun. No. Um, so uh, what allergic reaction is what I'm asking, though? Like, what allergic reaction is going to ca cause lesions in that pattern? I feel like none. I agree. None at all. I don't know. Um, Aaron Sokolik. I think that's... Sokulik? Sokulik? That sounds cooler. Sokulich? I don't know. Um, he wrote for the Iron Skeptic, agrees with the alcohol use explanation, and that Steve's inconsistencies in his testimony when discussing his interactions with the Highway Patrol officer as well as the nature of the drinks that Steve had prior to the incident were of note. Steve's claims that he was sober was disputed by staff at the Falcon Hotel who stated that he was drunk and 
This came from several Presbyterians. (laughs) A type of cocktail drink consisting of rye whiskey, ginger ale, and water. That sounds fucking gross. It sounds terrible. But the officer who saw him claimed he didn't smell any alcohol. Yeah, and look, you can still be drunk and get fucked up by aliens. Yeah, these two are not mutually exclusive. I... Who gets drunk and it's like, you know what? I'm going to sketch this UFO, burn the fuck out of myself, mm-hmm. make a ring of fire, mm-hmm. and uh, sprinkle some radioactive shit around here. Yeah. That I just so happen to have in my pack. Because I'm so drunk that I could even do this stuff. Yeah. It, it just... I don't know why... People are latched on to the alcohol thing. I understand that alcohol, like, slows your reaction time. It blurs your memory. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But shit happens whether or not you're drunk. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, fucking let it go. Um, Steve's claims of his interactions with the officer directly disputed by the officer himself and his report for the RCMP on the night of the incident, which stated that C was reluctant to answer the officer's questions despite his burns and potentially inebriated state. Um, While he was claiming he was the victim of a UFO-related attack, Steve could deflect attention away from prospecting competition on the site. Um... I don't know what that has to do with him being drunk, though. I it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't, none of these things make sense to me as reasons why skeptics just want to be skeptical. At the end of the day, they kind of grasp for straws so, sometimes too. Yeah, they're just like grasping for whatever they can get their hands on. Yeah, whatever I mean, I, makes the tiniest bit of sense. Yeah. This is exactly what we saw last week in the Casey Anthony trial. The defense. They're, like, pulling at every potential thing that could cause reasonable doubt. Yep. That's what our skeptics are doing here. Yeah. Lame. Very lame of them. Come on, guys. Just let it be a UFO. Yeah. Exactly. What? How is this hurting you? If yeah. it's a U- Is this upsetting to you? Yeah. Is this causing you actual harm? Are you so selfish that you think that we are the only person? humanoid things to exist yeah how self-centered of you you need to sort out your priorities if you don't believe believe in aliens just get out yeah just we can't be friends we cannot be friends sorry so steve died in 1999 he didn't even get to see the 21st century he fucking deserved to bro yeah dude steve feels like a real one to me I, Steve was a real one. He he carried the marks of that for the rest of his life. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Dang. Um, and up until the day he died, he still believed the UFO was an experimental aircraft. Um, with reports stating that he never claimed the craft he witnessed was of alien origin. That is true, but I feel like it's implied. Yeah. <laughs> um... He grew wary of the intense media scrutiny on his personal life and kind of uh, shied away from interviews during the initial surge. Um, He wrote his manuscript and attempted to break off contact with the outside world, and he reportedly regretted telling the story to the wider public at all. That makes sense. Absolutely. The turmoil surrounding the event caused Steve to experience domestic problems with his wife, Maria, struggling to aid him following the traumatic event, and his family continued to suffer harassment by members of the public, um, with Stan, with Steve's son, Stan, even being bullied at school. So take note, if you fucking come into contact with a weird thing coming out of the sky and landing in front of you, just don't fucking tell anyone about it. Yeah, because humans, some people suck. A lot of people suck. A lot of people suck, bro. I feel like most of them do. You know what? True. They all suck. Everyone sucks. We all suck. All of us. Damn it. His wife, Maria, continued to voice reluctance in uh, coming forward, talking about the story with media. 
and Steve's son Stan was working with individuals interested in the sighting following his father's passing. So at that point in 99, Stan is a full-fledged fucking adult. Yeah, he's kind of embracing it, too. Yeah, yeah. So the Falcon Lake incident was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, Season 5, Episode 8, and um, Stan was interviewed... Stan? Oh, now I don't know which one, because I just put the last name. Let's let's see when it came out. What was it, season five? Season five, ep eight. Uh, I feel like this is important information, though. I agree. We can just cut, like, cut this part out. Uh, 1992. Okay, so it was probably Steve. Yeah. Um... Steve was interviewed on his account of the events and the incident was reenacted with actors. In 2010, singer-songwriter Jim Bryson with the Weakerthans, I've never fucking heard of those people, released their album The Falcon Lake Incident, which was recorded in a cottage at Falcon Lake, obviously named after the incident. Yep. John K. Sampson... Um, speaking with the National Post, stated that he did not believe in extraterrestrials, but that he certainly believes in people's encounters. Um, well, that's fucking playing both sides of the fence there. Uh, yes. And also, if you go to Google just the Falcon Lake incident, the Weaker Thins album is the first thing to pop up. Oh, really? Yeah. I had to, like, sift through the shit about their album (laughs) in order to actually get to the story. Did you listen to it? No. I'm gonna listen to it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll listen to it. We, you know, maybe we'll even play some of it. Yeah, fuck it. On the Instagrams. A 2013 film called Rulers of Darkness was inspired by the claimed events at Falcon Lake, and in the film the the protagonist's mother is killed by Burns from a UFO at Falcon Lake. Okay, cool. So we're switching it up here. Yep. Taking it a little step further. Yep. Um, just straight death. Killed. 50 years after the incident, um, Stan, Steve's son, with the aid of ufologist... Oh, we fucking talk about... Oh, have Rutkowski? we talked about him in another episode? Maybe. His name sounds familiar to me. Chris Rutkowski? Yeah. Maybe. Um, Well, they published When They Appeared, Falcon Lake, 1967, The Inside Story of a Close Encounter. Whoa, that's a long title. Shit. Um, Which compiled the Falcon Lake incident according to eyewitness testimony. And also other books have been published regarding um, Steve's encounter, including George Dudding's The Falcon Lake UFO Encounter. I feel like they should get a little more creative with the names here. Yeah, I mean... I feel like I, I feel like a band could take inspiration from this and come up with something sick. Yeah. I mean, talk about the burn patterns, yeah. you know, lesions, bring that into the mix here. Oh, I love the word lesion. Lesions. <laughs> <laughs> In 2018, in commemoration of the event's 50th anniversary, the Royal Canadian Mint issued a $20 non-circulating silver coin featuring the incident as a part of Canada's Unexplained Phenomena series of coins. That's fucking badass. Hell yeah, Canada. Canada is just so incredible in every way. I, You know what? It really is. And the commemorative coin was illustrated by Joel Kimmel. Cool. Thanks, Joel. In line with Steve's claims, the coin glows in the dark with oh, beams hell yeah. appearing to emanate from the craft's underside, and it is the first coin of its type to feature glow-in-the-dark elements. I'm going to have to see if ghosts can find one of these. Dude. Up in Canada. Yeah. That's... That's that cool is a, shit. That is a creative-ass coin. Yeah, it is. On the front side, the coin depicts Queen Elizabeth II, while the back illustration depicts... Um, Steve's claims of falling to the ground from an exhaust blast in the Manitoba wilderness while a UFO hovers above him. And only 4,000 copies of the coin exist. They initially sold at the retail price of $129.95. 
How much do you think this coin is worth now? I well, mean, it was minted in 2018, so, I mean... We could look on eBay. Yeah. It would be fucking cool to get our hands on one of those coins. Yeah, y'all need to start buying our merch so we can both <laughs> buy this coin. So we can display it in the pod pad. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Documents collected pertaining to the incident were donated to the University of Manitoba Archives in 2019 along with burned articles of clothing, which Steve claimed to have been from the incident. Uh, At Falcon Beach Ranch, which was a ranch operating nearby and owned by Devin and Kendra Emery, um, they had inherited the land containing the alleged landing site, and they offer UFO tours to those wishing to visit the area. This is for our TV show. Bruh. Episode one. Episode one. Falcon Lake. So, that is the Falcon Lake incident. I loved it. Yeah. Everything about it is perfect. It was good. Yep. I'm glad it was in Canada. Now we have some place in Canada to go. Hell yeah, dude. I don't know which part of Canada Manitoba is in. Google knows. Here. Google knows all things. I've never been to Canada. My dad used to go fishing in Canada. It is the fourth province over. So it's kind of in the middle of Canada? Yeah, like a straight shot from us, pretty much. Hell yeah. Yeah, because it's Manitoba, Ontario. So. Cool. Right above North Dakota and Minnesota. Yeah, that is basically just like, boop, boop, straight north. Honestly, if we got in the car right now, it would probably take us like... Ten hours? Eight Eight hours? Yeah, because from here to Minneapolis, or like St. Paul area, is about six and a half. Yeah. So. I don't. I doubt it would take a whole... Because, I mean, that's like in the middle of Minnesota, isn't it? I believe so. So, I mean, it, it might be... I'm going to say nine. I'm going to just Google it right now. <laughs> Google knows that, too. <laughs> well, we're going to pack our shit and leave, so. Yeah, see y'all later. On our way to the Canada. Um, I don't want flights. I want drive time. Yeah. Bro, you don't have a passport. How are you going to be getting into Canada? It says 12 hours and 58 minutes. Shit. You're both wrong. <laughs> we're fucking horrible at this. Well, we were close. I said 10 hours. It's only 800 miles away. Maybe it's accounting for traffic or terrain. Like, is it? does it get kind of... Uh, like mountainous, so you have to drive slow. Maybe I don't know. Not oh, mountainous. Well, this There's is no... twelve hours, one minute. There's no mountain ranges, but you know what I mean, like hilly, yeah, windy. fucky. Yeah. yeah. I'll. I don't know. I can probably sneak in there. I mean. Anyways, uh, we hope you all enjoyed today's alien episode. Absolutely. We like to bring it back to the origins of this show. Yeah. Aliens make me feel happy inside. Yeah. Get back to our roots. The roots. Um, so yeah. That's, that's it, obviously. Yeah. Aliens did it. And that's case closed. Yeah, there's no question. There's no questions about it. Nah. We would like to take this time to thank Ariel for our music and Laura for our artwork. We are forever in your debt yes and uh if you would like you can rate the show Mm -hmm. five stars on apple and spotify you can subscribe to the show share the show visit our socials send us a message an email send a carrier pigeon whatever right we'll be here ready to respond to you we're always home at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. So please feel free. Um, and that's that's really all for today. That is it. So thank you for joining us. It's been real and fun. Yeah. Now we're both going to go, I don't know, do the rest of our Sunday. Canada. Oh, yeah, right. We're going to Canada. I already forgot. Yeah. Listen, late nights and me do not mix. Well, get ready. It's going to be a long day. (laughs) 
Emily's going to drive. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. It would only take two tanks of gas to get to Canada. That's right. For real skis. For real skis. It's going to be a cheap trip, bro. Yeah. Because, you know, gas is fucking cheap now. At $3.50 a gallon. It feels a little freeing, I'm not going to lie. Listen, this time last year, gas was fucking $2 a gallon. I know. The good old days. The good old days. It is a, it's such a weird feeling because for so many weeks we were paying nigh on $5 a gallon Mm -hmm. in the Midwest. Yeah. God only knows what we would be doing if we lived on the coast. Just crying all the time. Not driving anywhere. Nope. Uh, So paying that price for so long, you just get used to it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go to the gas pump and you're paying $3 and I think it's three thirty nine here in town now. Yeah, I think it is. I was like, fuck, it's less than $40 for me to fill up my car. Hell yeah. Damn. What am I going to do with all this Skrilla yeah. in my bucket? <laughs> oh, shit. Which is just wild. It is. Because last summer it was fucking $2. Yeah, it's still not cheap, but it sure feels a lot better. It's It definitely feels cheaper. Yeah. So, you know, we're just out here living life. Also, Dakota and I are mid-season two Walking Dead. Hell yeah, dude. Since he was traveling all last week, we didn't watch it. I mean, we probably both could have just watched it on Netflix while he's in the hotel and I'm here. But I just want to watch it together in the same room. Yeah. So we didn't watch any last week, but we'll probably, we're going to dinner tonight to McCormick and Schmick's on the plaza. Fuck yeah. We were going to go last night, but then the balloon festival came upon us. Right. Um, but we'll probably watch some tonight. We're very close. Shane has lost his fucking marbles. He's, he shaved his head. He's having the flashbacks wearing the weird big overalls. Shit's popping off. Shit's about to be popping off. The f- I think farm season is some of the best shit. The farm season is excellent. It's a little maddening, though. I remember watching it the first time through, and you're just so on the edge of your seat about what what's going to happen that I think you lose a lot of the details of what the characters individually are doing. Yeah. So now that we're uh, doing a rewatch, it's kind of... Easier to absorb? It's easier to see where the characters are. So, like, Herschel, I completely forgot that he, there was a span of time where he legit thought that the walkers just had a disease and he could cure them. Yeah. And I'm just like, get your head in the game, bro. Yeah. Come on, Hirsch. I remember you being one of my favorites, and I need you to get with the game. He just has a kind heart. He does have a kind heart. But then he also, like, really wants them to, like, get the fuck out, which I kind of understand. Yeah. You know, this is the apocalypse. Right. You just don't want to take in anyone. No. You just don't know. You don't. So. And. You don't know when you're not in an apocalypse. Exactly. Exactly. So. And fucking, what's her name? The blonde one. Why can't I remember her name now? Uh, because we fucking hate her? Yeah, the blonde... She gets all, like, weird about carrying her gun, and I'm like, bitch. Oh, yeah, fuck, I can't remember her name. Yeah. She's so... Andrea. Andrea! Yeah. Yeah, she gets so salty about the gun situation, and like, oh, we can't have our guns. Hey, bitch, we all know that... That's probably your last resort weapon against the walkers anyway. She thinks she's a bad bitch. And she I just does. don't feel like she is. Yeah. But in, like, all the encounters that she has with walkers leading up to the farm, she panics and freezes. She fucking almost shot Daryl. She straight up shot his ear almost off. Yeah. Fucking because, dumb shit. Yeah. Because she she lines up her sights and the sun comes in. Bitch, if you... Are trying to point a gun and the sun is in your eyes. You 
you don't shoot it. Yeah. Because guess what? You can't see. Exactly. This is common sense. I've never shot a gun and I know that shit. <laughs> Listen, what this is teaching us is we all need to practice archery. Yes, of course. Because Daryl is the one out here fucking thriving. Yeah. Because he has a crossbow. Yeah. He's fucking those things up left and right. Yeah. He doesn't have to rely on ammo. He doesn't have to worry about how many gun shells he has. Yeah. He's got fucking arrows. He shoots. He can just grab. Yeah. He can shoot the walker and then get his arrow back. Yep. He is an environmentalist. (laughs) He's out here recycling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God damn. That was funny. Uh, I just, you know, sometimes... Things just come to you. Uh, They do. They do. (laughs) In the best of moments. I don't remember what I... I said something to Dakota the other day. Not intentional. I was... The funny things are never meant to be funny when you say them. You're not like, yeah, this is some good shit. It's going to get a laugh. That's never it. It's like your random thoughts that you don't filter before saying. Right. They just come out. And then you're like, <laughs> God damn, that was funny. Whoa, look at me. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. We're going to sign this off now. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, be kind out there. And stay weird. Okay, bye. bye.